Hey, what's up, podcast? This is Matt Shalava, and you're listening to the Road to Freedom Pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt Shalava, and today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. It's been a pretty good day. I got up a lot earlier than I have been in the past week just because I got a lot more, uh, maybe a lot more sleep, maybe just got to bed earlier, not really sure. Um, but I've just been doing a lot of research on trying to find new items on Amazon, so we can talk about that. We have a release that's going to be coming out in about four minutes because it's pretty early this morning, so we can touch on that briefly. And it's totally fine that I'm putting out this information now because I'm not super bullish on this particular drop today. So the release that we have today is, we have a few, but the real one that I'm focused on is the Jordan 1 Low. The reason for that is the other releases, there's a couple pairs of Dunk Highs coming out, and I think there's a pair of Air Force One Highs coming out. Nothing really that good about those. I really don't like the shoes at all. There's not really much profit on those. Um, and I've been focusing a little bit more on these Jordan 1 Lows just because not as many people have been. And I think as that kind of happens, Nike will start to cut back some stock on those, and I do believe that they can kind of become profitable again. And so looking at these Jordan 1 Lows that we have today, I think they're called the Crimson Bliss Colorway. It's a woman's Jordan 1 size range that's coming out. So uh, 12 will be the high end, a 12 uh, women's sizing, and then I think the low end is like 5. And so... 12 women's correlates to 10 and a half men's and so you'll see sizes around 11 and a half and 12 of women's do really well because men's sizing kind of caps out at that range there and it's also like two of the most common men's sizes 12 is a 10 and a half men's 11 and a half women's is a, a 10 men's and so those are very very like common sizes for men's shoe sizing and even if you go to 11 and sometimes even uh, 10 and a half women's you can get into like nine nine and a half so those are common men's sizes for shoes and so you'll see those typically do a little bit better especially for shoes that are geared that could be like more unisex colorways instead of just a all pink and purple like girlish looking colorway or maybe like a I don't know whatever a guy looking colorway would be maybe like brown and green I don't know but like ones that can be worn um, and kind of look like a neutral colorway or ones that um, you know don't look like they're super girly or anything like that typically those will do a little bit better uh, in the bigger sizes for women's shoes and so that's purely just because men can wear them and typically some of these cleaner shoes men do want to wear and so I was looking at some shoes today I am looking at and I'll just put this out there I'm going to look at Jordan 1 low marina blues and the women's sizing on those goes up to 12 again that's what they're doing for all of the women's Jordans most of them and it's a clean, very, very clean looking Jordan 1 low. And the only reason I can think the prices have stayed so low is because sneakers are down. And I think there was a lot of stock for that shoe. And so with some of these shoes were coming out at the beginning of this year, there was a lot of stock. Sneakers were still doing a little bit better than they are now. And so Nike was making a ton of them. People were buying a ton of them. And there's a lot of stock out there for that shoe is kind of my personal thought as to why it hasn't gone up in value so much but it's a very very clean shoe it's a white and royal blue you really can't beat that like that there's a few colorways that just do really well and pure white in a very base color does extremely well white and blue white and red white and green white and black uh just traditional like normal uh, white and orange like very very good uh clean looking colorways those tend to appreciate very well that's why i've been buying some of these jordan one lows that have come out in size seven uh, especially in men's sizing just because size 7 tends to do the best there's a lot less stock uh, men and women and children can all wear the size because there's kind of 
that, uh, I don't know, the Venn diagram would kind of line up that all three of those can kind of wear that size because there are men that have a size seven foot. There are women that have size seven men's feet because that would be an eight and a half women's size. And there's kids that want to buy the, the size seven because that's a seven youth is the same as a seven men's. And so there's a lot of people that can wear that and there's a lot less uh, product of it made. And so you can kind of make some money doing that. So Anyway, that's my long-winded spiel about the Jordans coming out today that I won't be buying because they're not profitable. They don't look super great. There's maybe $20, $30 you can make max, and even at that, looking at most sizes right now, they don't look that great. Um, I think they're $110 too for the price, which isn't really that good. I'm looking for more $100 price range for these Jordan 1 lows because I could see an extra $10 of profit right off the bat. A lot of these are kind of pricing in the resale price and the, the price ranges for this shoe, and granted, it's not as good looking of a shoe as a just a white and red or a black and white shoe, uh, but it still it still doesn't reflect the additional price bump, right? So you're paying ten extra dollars for this shoe, but resale prices are pretty close to the resale prices of some of the shoes last week that uh, were ten dollars cheaper. So I try and factor that in, and that also could be the Due to the fact that there's a lot less stock for this shoe. I mean, it looks like it's about half the stock of some of these other pairs of shoes that have come out in the last week for the Jordan 1s. And so when you're looking at sub 10,000 stock, it's it's kind of bad if the shoe doesn't necessarily reflect the price range on that. And it may. It may reflect the prices now because there's less stock, but it's not a good colorway. So maybe people are saying, okay, well, this is still going to be a hard shoe to get. People that want it are still going to have a tough time because there's you know sub 500 uh, stock for a lot of these sizes. The only place you can get it is on Nike.com. So if anybody likes this shoe, it's going to be really tough to get it if they don't buy it now. And so there's opportunity there. I'm probably not going to go for it. I don't feel like sitting on this shoe. I don't think it's a good shoe uh, in a good colorway that will appreciate over time. But I do think that there's some opportunity there if you really want to dive into it. So that's what we have today. Um, other stuff. I've been looking a lot at doing some tactical arbitrage work. I, if you don't know what tactical arbitrage is, let's just break it down really quickly. So when you're doing Amazon and you're doing research, it's it's cool to do two types of things. A, you can go to a store and look up different products on the shelf. You can scan the barcodes to see if they're selling. You can type in the name and the brand and the item into Amazon, into Seller Central. You can look it up through just the regular like search on Amazon. And you can also look it up on Seller Central or on the Amazon app. And a little bit of like info for here for you here is that they're not the same. So if you search it on the Amazon store and you search it on the app, there are there's different search engines for both. And I used to think they were the same, and I also used to think that they would show you a little bit more product on the storefront part of it, where like if you were an Amazon buyer, you, they would cater towards the buyers. So traditionally, if I'm going to do like a search based on a brand and maybe some keywords to see like what types of products pop up to kind of get my mind rolling a little bit, I will go in on just Amazon.com and start doing some research. And I've actually done so much research over the past couple of days that they think I'm a bot because they make me type in like the three or four uh, letters to say like, okay, make sure you can type these letters out to make sure you're not a bot. So I do a lot of research that way, but what I have found is they don't show you as many out of stock products. And sometimes they don't show you any out of stock products, which works to their benefit, right? You don't wanna see a bunch of products cluttering your page that are out of stock. But if you are a seller, Amazon wants you to bring those products back into stock if they were good sellers. And so they will show you those um, on the Seller Central side, which if you don't know what Seller, seller Central is, it's just the fancy way for saying the seller side of Amazon. That if you're a seller on Amazon, you get a different set of uh, pages and tools you can look at that the buyer doesn't see because they're a buyer. And so 
you can type it into the add a product section on there and it will give you a bunch of different listings that may not pop up on the the front page of Amazon or when you type in the search bar on just amazon.com and that is because they're out of stock and so that's something that I've been playing around with um, and looking at but tactical arbitrage there's let's let's get into that for a second there's two ways you can source right you can go and find products on the shelves at the store or you can go on Amazon and then try and say okay these products look like they're selling well based on the keep a graph based on the data I'm getting from RevSeller or Ace and Zen uh, let's go see if I can find those somewhere let's see if they're available to buy and what tactical arbitrage does is it does some of the the legwork for you there where instead of you going through each product and looking at it separately it has some custom software that's built in that has algorithms and ways of kind of looking at these products and it goes okay let's compare the product on the website page and see if it's selling on Amazon and then we can see how profitable it'll be and it gives you a list of search results that are uh, fit your criteria based on the filters you you set so let's say you want to do I don't know ten dollars a profit and you want it to be a minimum price of uh, fifty dollars on Amazon and you want it to sell a minimum of maybe 10 times per month okay right just something stupid like that you go on you find the website you find whatever categories you want to put in or you can scan the whole website which probably will take you days but you can go in and maybe pick subsections or subcategories of that website plug it into this program called tactile arbitrage it's on it's like an online cloud-based platform so you kind of put it into that information there and you type in whatever you want you put in the filters and you hit scan and it starts scanning and it scans over a period of usually hours and so once it kind of does its scan it puts out all the uh, matching ASINs on Amazon that have corresponding products that are in stock or out of stock or both depending on what you want um, on these other websites and so now you can say okay well this product looks like it's selling on Amazon based on because they look at the Keepa data they look at all the information that you would look at normally they just do it faster and they do it without you having to do it manually so now it's a program is basically doing the research for you the only issue is that a lot of the times you still have to go through and make sure that the products match because they're not perfect and a lot of the times they're actually far from perfect because they'll give you mismatches where you know they give you a travel size and it's actually like the main size on Amazon or vice versa or there's just like a whole lot of mismatches that happen because there's variations and variation listings so maybe you know a size 10 of a shoe selling really well but they give you a site and they only have size 7 in stock or something like that and so there's there's a lot of different things you can do with that uh, but there's also you can also do the reverse so you could also go on Amazon and say okay I want to look at these specific products or these specific uh, stores and I want you to look at those and see which products are profitable on Amazon and then let's go see if we can find those in other stores so it has built-in features to scan amazon.com it also has a bunch of built-in sites that you can go and look at and it will scan those to see if the products in stock and if it's profitable for you so very powerful software and so been doing a lot of looking at that there's a lot of people that use it I think a lot of people get really caught up and they don't like it I can see why then let's let's talk about that for a second so people don't like it as much because I think I've touched on this before but it's kind of like you're all getting the same leads right and if you're all getting the same leads because you're using the same software and you're using it the same way it's gonna be really difficult to be profitable on those leads because other people are going to be finding them too and so that's why I'm a big proponent of not providing like lists of leads or just like leads to a group for Amazon because Amazon you can't differentiate yourself very much other than maybe uh, some small things like running a coupon or uh, adjusting your price mainly and maybe your store uh, gets the buy box more just because you have more reviews but that's really it you don't have a lot of control in that sort of a thing where eBay you control your pictures your title your uh, description your 
item specifics, the handling time, like you have more control on eBay, uh, your return policy, like that's all kind of the same on Amazon. So you don't have a way to stick out as much and you don't have a way to get the top premium pricing as much on Amazon because there's nothing really differentiating you from the next seller. And the buyer knows that because if they buy something and it's not up to their standards, they'll just return it and Amazon has no problem taking returns. And so that's something where it's a little bit more difficult to kind of buy off of large uh, leads or like large lists of leads or large, uh, I don't know, like informational groups. And so I don't necessarily advocate that for Amazon um, because it's just really tough. eBay, a lot different. You can make a lot of money off of buying uh, from leads groups and stuff like that. I'm in, I've been in a bunch. I'm in one now where uh, I get in, I actually provide information for uh, some of the flips that come out that are like, uh, low-key items that you would find in like a, a regular like retail store and stuff like that. I, I'm pretty good at RA from that standpoint. I would not provide listings though for for Amazon unless it's like something super niche that only a few people will probably be able to get like regionally just because it's really tough to be able to sustain that uh, pricing and a lot of times the price tanks out and people don't make any money. And so that's something that's tough but using tactical arbitrage in tactical ways I guess or using some sort of strategy around it where you're sourcing and making you you have a custom strategy that you've used you have a strategy that maybe works really well for you that not everybody else is using and typically people use it to look for coupon codes and stuff like that like everybody's doing that though everybody's using it as a retail arbitrage thing if you start using it in a replant uh kind of stance where you're trying to use it for uh, your own custom way of running your store where you have your own ways that you source for inventory of your own ways that you kind of your own metrics you, you have a certain ROI you're trying to hit a certain profit margin you're trying to hit a certain uh, sell price that you typically sell around you can then start to play with tactical arbitrage and say okay now go scan uh, these types of items in stores and return to me the items that I typically try and sell and now you're kind of playing in a little bit of a different range where you're not all sourcing the same products because mainly only you sells the way that you sell, right? There may be other people that sell similarly to you, uh, but everybody has their own tweaks and quirks and stuff of how they run their store. And so if you're using tactical arbitrage to run searches for you and look for products that kind of fit your store description and the way that you sell, now you're kind of getting a little bit more niche down and you're not running the same kind of searches that other people are running. You'll probably get some different product results. And you'll probably be able to sell against less competition, which will then keep prices higher, which will then make you more money and keep you from having to be stuck with a lot of product that's not selling. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at it for. I've also come up with some really cool ideas as to how uh, to use that and how to use uh, Keepa and specifically that product finder and the product viewer to find like to find inventory. I think that's a super, super, super powerful thing to use as the product finder. And mainly because it just, it really has so much power built into the filters. And I love it. I, I think it's a really, really huge tool. If you had to start one thing right now and you wanted to use Keepa, obviously Keepa's like the main thing that you need for Amazon other than a, a seller account, maybe the seller app. I think Keepa is, is critical because it tells you how much items sell and kind of gives you a baseline as to whether or not these products are gonna sell or not. And then for me, I think Ace and Zen or even Rev Seller is just crucial for me just because of the way I record items. I'm very kind of uh, meticulous about the way I record the items, the way I record the searches I've done. And it's just very good because they have like this copy feature, which you can copy basically all the data about the listing you'd ever want and put it into a spreadsheet, which is what I do. And so those two things, plus it shows you all the profitability and stuff, which is invaluable. You need that. And Ace and Zen shows you at the top, whether you're ungated to sell it, if it's hazmat, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of built-in information into these that I think are critical for me running my business. 
But Keepa, if, if you just had to use one thing, I think Keepa is very important, but the product finder is just absolutely phenomenal. The fact that you can go through and filter every product or most products on Amazon using the seller information is just a game changer because it allows you to then start to look at, okay, what sorts of products do I typically sell? What sorts of products do I typically uh, like to to buy? And what sorts of uh, price ranges do I sell around? What sorts of uh, drop counts do I typically sell? You know, do I sell 10 drops a month? Am I comfortable with that? Do I want to, now I have a lot of inventory and I'm finding a lot of leads. Do I maybe want to bump that up to 20 products per month or 20 drops per month? That way there's a little bit less of a, uh, there's a little bit less leads, but they're better. And then you can kind of play with that and go, okay, maybe I'm finding a lot of items that sell 20 times or more a month. Let's bump that up to 30, 40, 50 times a month, 100 times a month. And now you're finding a lot less leads, but they're very, very, uh, they're high on volume and they can oftentimes be very profitable too. And so you can play with that and kind of uh, do your searches on that to filter out all the products from Amazon you don't want to see and only the ones you want to see. You start to filter by brands, you start to filter by title, you start to filter by all these different little little filters that you think, okay, well, maybe um, maybe you would never think to filter a product this way, but if you filter by uh, an increasing review count, typically that'll show you that the product's selling. You can do all sorts of creative things with that. And so there's different things you can do with it, but it really does help me find more products. It's a lot faster than going to the store and just kind of like sitting there scanning barcodes or typing in stuff on your own. It's obviously very profitable to do that. There's a lot of people that make really big businesses doing that, but I think it's faster and a little bit more efficient to do it this way. Plus you're kind of filtering out the stuff you don't want to see. And so there's pros and cons to both, but um, at least in my opinion, using the Keepa product finder has been really, really helpful for me and it's helped me find majority of the products that I do sell and everything that I sold yesterday, with the exception of maybe one or two items was used finding the Keepa product finder. So it's very, very helpful um, and just, a very good like if I could recommend one thing using that and, and a lot of people don't utilize that as much I think it's a super super uh, powerful tool that you can use that a lot of sellers don't take advantage of enough and so that's something that I've been doing um, other than that yeah looking at tactical arbitrage it's expensive and that's the other thing I think it's around somewhere between 50 to 100 bucks a month which is expensive right I mean if you're sitting there and you haven't bought um, a lot of like products or maybe not products but purchased a lot of tools for your business, you may be sitting there going, that's super expensive. And in a regular context for the average person, that is expensive, right? Like a Netflix subscription is maybe what, 15, 20 bucks a month. And I would argue that obviously TA is a way better investment because if you figure out how to use it and you want to use it out of your benefit, you'll make a lot more money with it than you would with Netflix, but it is five times the cost of Netflix per month. So, you know, you start to get into this kind of psychological boundary of, well, can I actually purchase this? That's super expensive. What you need to keep in mind though is if it's going to grow your business, it's a business expense. And business expenses are different than people expenses. Like my my personal budget, very low, very small. I don't buy very much. Um, and that's partly by design because I want to be able to afford to move out one day. I want to be able to afford uh, things in the future that like I just want to be able to buy whatever I want to buy when I want to buy it. And right now, if I do that, I, there's going to be a problem with me being able to have money uh, because you know things are expensive. And especially with inflation and costs going up, uh, it's just not practical right now based on my income to do that but in the future that's that's a possibility you just have to kind of take the Dave Ramsey approach which is um delayed gratification basically saying okay living right now uh very like kind of uh, living like no one else so that later you can live like no one else type of thing and so that's something where you know I think that Keepa and 
tactical arbitrage and stuff, they're very different than people expenses because a business, a business doesn't like to be starved. Like it, for me, I can kind of say, okay, I'll, I'll delay gratification with this purchase, uh, whether it's a pair of uh, new shoes or whether it's uh, you know some sort of uh, clothing or a video game or whatever it is. That's something I can delay and, and be fine with. A business isn't like that because a business, oftentimes it's good to run them as lean as possible, but if you're running them so lean that you're actually losing out on profitability down the road, it's, it's not a good idea to kind of go that way. And so if you see something that's expensive, you also have to look at whether or not it's worth it. Sometimes things are expensive and they're expensive for a reason. And a lot of people would argue that tactical arbitrage is way too cheap because they make a lot of money with it. And so it's kind of like botting, right? A bot can sometimes cost thousands of dollars, not anymore because botting's been dead for a little bit, but um, you can still bot. It's just, it's not as profitable as it used to be. Um, but pro like botting used to be super expensive. You used to have to buy the bot, but then you used to also have to pay 50 to $100 a month, usually about 50 bucks a month for the bot. And it's super expensive and people go, who would ever pay that? Well, a lot of people made a lot of money botting, right? You'd be able to buy things around uh, Q4 that people that wouldn't be in stock and you'd be able to sell them on eBay and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of money to be made in running a bot. And similarly, it's super expensive. Who's gonna pay 50 bucks a month for something, right? Like most people just don't have that kind of money, but a business, a business has that kind of money because it's allocated in a specific way to increase profits, not to decrease profits or waste them. And so uh, you just have to kind of make sure that the the items you're selling and, and the, the expenses you're incurring are worthwhile. And that's something that I'm trying to look at. I think tactical arbitrage is one of those things that I'll probably become attached to. Um, it's just something I need to learn and kind of work with. And again, very expensive product, but it does make a lot of people a lot of money. So it does make sense. You can kind of say, hey, this cost is worth it and buy it. And so that's one of the holdups for a lot of people. I do think that we'll see. I haven't used it yet. I've seen a lot of people use it. I've been doing a lot of research on it. I think it's something I'm going to get into because it just makes a lot of sense. If I can have help anyway, shape or form with sourcing that is going to be somewhat automated, I, I need it. Like that's something that I would desperately need because speeding up any part of this process is very worthwhile to me. And so that's something I'll be looking into in the future. Just kind of wanted to put that out there because I think a lot of people either haven't heard of TA or if they have, they don't really know much about it. So as I continue to learn a little bit more about tactical arbitrage and the way to use it, I kind of keep talking a little bit about it on this podcast and some of the ways that I've been using it, some of the things that I found about it that can be powerful and profitable for Amazon sellers. And so anyway, I think that's enough for today. I'm gonna wrap things up. You guys have a great rest of your Wednesday and I'll talk to you tomorrow with another podcast. Have a good one. 